So my scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses, uh, well, it's a bunch. Uh, we'll just start there. And then it's, it's, if you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles uh, on page 90. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? See, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, "Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirst will of the, drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water I will give them becomes in a spring of water gushing up to eternal life." The woman said to him, "Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water." Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come back. Well, the woman answered him, I, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you were right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming. And is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with the woman, but no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I'd ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. 
So there's a lot going on in this passage of Scripture, and the Scripture itself could be its own sermon. The living water. But first, let's just make sure we say it for real. Uh, in, in today's culture, well, in, in just in general, uh, uh, if I had said woman uh, at anything, uh, my head would be back on the other side of my, my neck. Like I would have said, woman, you can go get your own water. Uh, and that would not have gone well. So uh, we lose a little bit out of articulation here uh, for him to call her woman. But the point of the gospel writer here is, is he doesn't want to give her a name. The point of this is, is that it could have been any of them. But at this place, the story is the most important. For example, you, I, I got really puzzled at first by the detailed description of well, the place where it happens. I mean, he names the town, Sakar. Uh, there was this place that that none of the Jews would have ever gone in Samaria. Um, it, you know, it, the way that the writer says it, it's almost like what realtors always say. It's the it, it, everything depends on three things: location, location, location. Right. Now, for some reason, John believes that where this story takes place is much more important than the name of the woman at the well. By the way, I did learn that in the Orthodox tradition, they have attributed the name Fotini to her. Or in Russian, they call it Svetlana, a name that literally means equal to the apostles. That's going to mean something here in just a few minutes. Now, Jacob's well, which doesn't appear in the Old Testament. We have a conversation about where Jacob draws water. But in this place, uh, we don't have a story about it. But for some reason, we can still go to the West Bank uh, in Israeli settlements. And they have a place that we're not allowed to go see because you're all tourists. But there is a place that they call Jacob's Well. It's a, a site that historically has an extremely long history. And it's no doubt a well that most likely Jacob could have visited in the day that he was alive and may have even used it. In many well, ways, this well uh, resembles an artesian well where the water flows through it. And in fact, the name for the Greek word for here is living water is used to describe flowing water of the well. But... Again, I digress and focus in on the location, location, location. There's two people in a conversation. Equal people in a conversation. This person is trying to comprehend the mystery of Jesus. Last week we talked about Nicodemus. This week it's a Samaritan woman. And unlike Nicodemus, she responds rather, uh, rather than initiates the conversation. She talks with Jesus, not like Nicodemus who talked to her at night. She speaks with him during the day. In what is for him, in all intents and purposes, what we would consider enemy territory. Where they have literally been fighting for hundreds of years by the time that Jesus was there. She talks with Jesus and is increasingly drawn to figure out who he is. 
And the two of them shatter, I mean, just destroy ancient barriers for the sake of new truth. At the same time, he talks about running water versus rainwater. The, pro- the woman probably sees this as a, a slight upon the Samaritan hero who coincidentally would have been Jacob. Remember, from this lineage I will outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. Oh, this group of people also tie themselves to this same lineage, worshiping the same God. So he challenges it. In this idea of living and its synonyms, this Johannian favorite living water, bread of life imagery, this becomes this idea of this self-renewing force. Jesus openly challenges and break opens two boundaries in this text. The boundary between chosen people and rejected people. Between male and female. What boundaries do we cross in offering people spiritual refreshment and renewal? We talk about this all the time, right? It's, it's, a, it's a catchphrase in the aspect of religion. We provide a sanctuary, a place for refreshment. We, we do all of these things, but in the end of the story, Jesus is having an open conversation with this person who he should not be having a conversation with, and yet he treats her as if she is one of his disciples. He teaches her in a loving manner. In the middle of this story, which I did not read, the disciples come back. And they say, were you just talking with that woman? And then they're like, have you eaten anything today? And he's like, you don't have anything that I would want to eat? And, he's, and they're like, what is he talking about? And they, they forget it. I don't live off of what humans live off of. And you know, the disciples yet once again miss the whole point of the story. But in this place... This Samaritan woman, who is a woman, strike one, who is a Samaritan, strike two, and he's a Jew, strike three, and strike four is is that they're openly discussing things, and we don't know if uh, he's standing there, if anybody else sees this, and her drawing water from the well, you only do that for somebody that is in your family, like your husband or your lover. very intimate story. At the same time, Samaritans always kind of get the bad press. If you look at the Gospel of Luke and we talk about the Good Samaritan, right? In Luke, the scandal is that a despicable Samaritan becomes the agent of mercy. In John 4, the story is even more radically shaped because this time, It is not just a character in a parable who upsets social conventions, but Jesus himself. Hmm. So let's talk about refreshment. Let's let's just be honest. I I mean, I, I know I'm tired physically, mentally, 
spiritually tired. You, you all know that. I've already given you my uh, what's happened to me since Tuesday's story. So coming here this morning is taking every fiber of my being, not because I'm, I'm whining about it. I'm just saying that I'm tired. I look out into the congregation and I see that you are tired. You've had a long week. You've had struggles. You've had challenges. You've had emotional things. You've had spiritual battles. And we come to this place to be refreshed. Jesus was doing the exact same thing, and he goes to the only place that makes sense. He sits by this well, and you know what? Who cares if it's in Samaria? I'm tired, Jesus says. He sits down. And John says, oh yeah, by the way, it was about noon. Often in the midpoints of our life, we tire and need to rediscover the Sabbath rest for our souls. In this same exact experience, there's a cross-cultural moment that takes place. An experiment, if you will, that at, as, as, at the well, Jesus dared break free and speak to a Samaritan who was a woman to cross the barriers of race, class, gender, and lifestyles. Well, is a good way to meet Jesus again for the first time. There's another part about this well is, is that's where everybody came together as a community. And in our Sunday school class this morning, it was brought to my attention because I totally overlooked it, is, is that she came by herself. And Jesus was there by her, himself. It says a lot about why she chose to come at that time. Everybody hung out at the well, you see. That's where everybody did things. They hung out, they talked to each other, they checked in on each other. It was like the water cooler conversation uh, amongst the communities of faith. And yet, here she comes by herself to draw water as he's left alone. Look at what the ripple effect is from that experience. She takes not water, but living water back to her village, just as genuine spiritual renewal is not for self alone, but is only fulfilled in the back home world of work, family, and church when you feel the ripple effect of being refreshed and participating in the presence of God and drinking of the living water that can only be provided by Jesus. It has a ripple effect and people's lives are changed. And the more we draw from the unique well of Christ, the more we are connected to a common underground stream with all who seek living water. We leave with joy. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. For those that are thirsty, Come and drink. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.